Well, hello everybody, this is Pastor Iris, and we've got with us in the studio today, again, our favourite, Dr. John Scheiber. Hi, John, how are you doing? Well, good morning, Iris. It's wonderful to be back on the other side of the Atlantic with you again today. That was a very good flight. I always say that when I go to Ireland, they're always waiting for me to help me off the plane, you know, we just go for it. <laughs> Yes, that I've, I've made that trip across the Atlantic to England 43 times. I slept better last night than on any flight that I've made to England. It's good to be back. It was smooth then. Okay, what have you got for us today, John? Well, well, well. Well, well, well. What, what are we going to do with this today? Well, for those of, of the audience that have been tuning in, um, in the last number of, of times, we have been studying together the last days before the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And so we've taken a lot of time to dig into that. And we've looked at all the world conditions and what the Bible says. Iris, it's a startling reality that many Christians have not grasped that every prophecy in the Bible that God has given us about the days immediately preceding his coming, everything is done. There's nothing left now that is outstanding. We've looked at Israel, the birth of rebirth of Israel. We've looked at, at China. We've looked at the world economy. We've looked at travel explosions. Uh, we've looked at the explosion of knowledge. We've looked at lawlessness. We've looked at all the things that the Bible prophesies in the last days. And we, we have concluded that everything is done. And so in the last couple of times together, we've, we've laid out the case for a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, that if we are right on the edge of the end of all these things, then we, Bible teachers, all are in agreement that there will be a seven-year period of judgment on all of the world. And over 50% of all the people alive and that are going to be dead, everything, it's going to be are horrendous. Jesus said, except the days be shortened, no one would even survive. And so the question for many is, is the church going to go through this? And I think we have made the case conclusively, taking all the scriptures and putting them all together and not just select scriptures. We've made the case that the only way all the scriptures that we have studied together in our times on your program fit is for a pre-tribulation catching away of the church before this happened. Let me, let me read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 where Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, your, your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And then verse 10 says, and to wait for his son, to wait for his son, the Lord Jesus from heaven, to be raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come, who is going to deliver us from the wrath to come. And then over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we've read these before, but I do it to reemphasize again today, just a couple of scriptures supporting this great catching away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Let's look at verse 13, where Paul said, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those that have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with them, him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say, verse 15, to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those that are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, imagine this. Imagine this, Iris. It will be on an ordinary day. Some people will be waking up. Some people will be going to bed, depending on what part of the world, the time, the time differentials, the different time zones globally. Some it'll be at noontime, some at midnight. Some people will be going to work. Some people will be coming home to work. But it will be an ordinary day like any other day. Life will be going along perfectly normal. And suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, many, many millions of people will instantly disappear and leave this world to meet Jesus. All the saints that have gone on before us have died. Suddenly their remains will be gone from the cemeteries. They'll all be gone. All of us that are alive will be in a, in a moment, in a breath of suddenly caught up together and, and, and to meet Jesus for the very first time to be escorted out of this world into heaven. We'll have glorified bodies, no glasses, no doctors, no pills, no aches, no pains. In a moment of time, I cannot get my head around that, but it is going to happen. Iris, I have had the great privilege, as you well know, of preaching this gospel all over the world. I have been allowed by God 19 times to stand on the evangelistic crusade platforms in, in, in India and see tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of the poorest people in the world hear the gospel and come to Jesus. I've done the same thing in South America. I've done the same thing in Pakistan. And I've often wondered what it will be like on that day for people that have never known anything but the worst of poverty, the worst of suffering, the, the most hopeless existence, and yet they were born into it. They live their lives in it and they die within it without any hope. To in that moment be caught up together in the clouds to meet Jesus, to go, in, to go into heaven. And so we have been talking about the last days. We've been talking about the rapture in our last time together. We talked about a brief overview of the seven years of tribulation on the earth. But Iris, today we're going to get to the good part. And that is, what will the church? What will all of these millions and millions and millions and maybe billions of people that were alive on the earth, what will we be doing in heaven with Jesus wow. while tribulation is on earth? Now, I've just begun to scratch the surface of this, and I'm, I'm not going to rush, if that's okay with you. That's fine. I don't want to rush. I, can't, I do not know the exact date that Jesus is coming. I believe it is very, very soon. 
I believe it'll be in your lifetime and in my lifetime. But what if it's not? What if, what if you graduate to heaven, I graduate to heaven, many of your audience graduate to heaven before Jesus comes? Well, that'll be just fine. We go to heaven either way. But that said, we're not putting dates on things. But what if, if it is, what if it's close? One thing is certain. Every person hearing your program today that loves Jesus is going to be a part of everything we're going to start talking about. Whether you're a part of the rapture or not, I don't know. I don't because I don't know when he's coming. But everything in our study of the Word of God, beginning today, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Every one of your audience that knows Jesus and loves him is and is ready to go when that Trump said, this is going to be a part of all of our futures. And I believe, I believe it's going to be soon. So I'm excited, but I'm not going to rush. I'm, I'm, this is just, this is like sitting down. This is like sitting down with a 16 ounce ribeye steak, a baked potato as big as a football, all of the trimmings, all of the uh, everything. You just don't want to try to gobble it up. You want to enjoy every bite. So here we go. The rapture has just happened in that moment. In that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, we're gone, instantly transported. And now we stand in the presence of Jesus. What's happening? I believe there is going to be such shock, even though we're going to have glorified bodies, we are going to suddenly discover health and healing and vitality. And, and, and here is paradise. Here is Jesus, the multitudes of angels. And in that moment of time, we won't know what happened. If we were driving a car, we think, well, we got killed in a car wreck. If we were in the middle of the night, we thought we just had a heart attack. If, you know, we, if we were walking down the street in London, we thought, well, a, a, a piece of, of, of a building fell on our head. But what in the world? What happened? But look where we are. We're in heaven. Well, I believe there's going to be just such a great outpouring of joy and rejoicing and worship and weeping with tears of joy and celebration in that day. It's going to take, I mean, it's going to take, we're going to have culture shock. <laughs> in a wonderful way, yeah. particularly for all these people that have lived in oppressive environments. They've lived in lifestyles of pain and suffering and, and lack and poverty and fear and abuse to suddenly, can you imagine the adjustment that has to be made wow. as we get welcomed, welcomed into heaven? I, I have to be honest and say that I'm I'm going to be as overwhelmed as anybody. Yeah, I'm going to be as overwhelmed as anybody. But one of the things I keep in my mind to do is not get so overwhelmed that I can't watch the reaction of others That's because I've seen <laughs> I've spent my life preaching this gospel and preaching the gospel and praying for people and wanting to see people be touched by God and seeing God touch people. I, I've got to keep one eye on Jesus and all that's happening, but I want to keep the other eye on all these other precious people because it's going to be a joy in my heart, not just for myself. Yeah 
but to watch so many other people coming into this moment. It is going to be absolutely glorious. Yeah. Well, I don't know how all of this is going to play out. It's going to take some time for all of us to get acclimated. It's going to take us all a time to get settled down. It's going to take all of us a little bit of time to get adjusted to what has now happened to us that we have been caught up and we have now met Jesus. He is there. We are in heaven. We are safe. The cares of this world are now gone forever. But then two things are going to happen over the next seven years while all hell is breaking out on the earth. While the Antichrist comes into the chaos, and I believe the Antichrist is alive and well today. He's just waiting for his time, and he cannot move until we're taken out and the Holy Spirit is taken out. Iris, think what the world would be like today if there were no one praying. Oh. <laughs> what would this world be like if there was no one worshiping? Yeah. What would this world be like if there was no one believing God and having faith? Mm. Well, all of that's going to be taken up and out yeah. at the great catching away of the church. And when the Holy Spirit has been removed, then the Antichrist is free to move. He's going to move quickly and do, be doing all this stuff. Wars are going to break out. I believe regional nuclear exchanges will take place, killing millions, earthquakes, collapse, economic total, total chaos. All of these things are going to begin to sweep across the earth like a virus. But in that same period of time, what is going to be happening to the church while we are in heaven? Well, there are going to be two things, and I want to get into the first one of those things this morning in our time. The first one is what we call the judgment seat of Christ, which is also known as the Bema, B-E-M-A, judgment seat of Christ. Now, you're saying we're going to have to stand before the Lord in judgment? Yes. Yes. Now, I want everyone hearing this broadcast, I want everyone hearing this teaching to sit up straight and listen with both of your ears. This is not going to be a judgment about whether people go to heaven or go to hell. It is not a judgment of condemnation. It is not a, a judgment of punishment. No, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Our sins, our sins have been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. Now think about how far is the east from the west. We can't measure that. The Bible doesn't say as far as from the north to the south. Now remember, when the Bible was written, people believed the world was flat, okay? But the Bible didn't say God separated it from the north to the south. Do you realize if you go straight north and you keep going north, you keep going north, you hit the North Pole, and when you step on the other side of the North Pole, now you're going south. You're going back in the same direction. But if you try to go east, you can always go east and never get to the west. Think about it. If you start going east, you'll never get to the west because there's always another step that you can take further east. You can go around and around and around and around and around the world a million times, and you can still be going east. And so the Bible says God has separated our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Okay, what is this judgment? 
It is also referred to in the Greek, the word bema. And what bema was is a Greek word signifying, it actually comes from the original Greek Olympics. When the Greeks, all the World Olympics originally were birthed in, in Greece. And they had running and jumping and lifting all these kinds of, of athletic competition. And what the Bema judgment seat was is the judges sat at a great bar like, like judges and the, the contestants that had competed in the Olympics came and stood on a platform before the judges to receive rewards, to receive the prize. That's what Paul was talking about. I have run the race. I have finished my course. Therefore, there is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me on that day. So what is this judgment seat? It is standing before the Lord to receive a commendation, a reward that lasts for all of eternity. Wow. You see, one of the things we struggle with today are so many Christians just believe we can, you know, they've believed a false message of hyper grace, which to the extreme says you can live any way you want to live and still go to heaven. Well, that's a lie right out of the pit of hell. We cannot live however we want to live and still go to heaven. And there are going to be people that are that have will one day think they're going to heaven will wind up in hell because of the lawlessness that masquerading as grace. We're not going to get into that today. But there will also be, Iris, a reward for those who have lived lives that will not be given to those who haven't lived lives serving the Lord. Now, I want to give you some scriptures to support this. The first one is found. Now, now I'm not going to give you all of them. Because if we really, if you really grasp, if your audience really grasp this message today, you will go back and you will read the Bible differently. Because if you grasp the message that I'm sharing with you today, right out of the Word of God, then you go back and you read the Word of God, you will see things there that you have not seen before that you went right over, but you will then understand them. So, Iris, what we're going to try to do is, is get into this a little bit for everyone. All right, the first is found in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's just begin with verse 9. Where, where Paul wrote, and he said, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Now, let everyone hearing this time of sharing together understand that we do not work for righteousness. We do not earn our own righteousness. We do not earn our own salvation by the works of the flesh, which we do. We get everything that we get from God only by his love and by his mercy and by his grace through faith. Paul understood that. But what is Paul re referring to when he says, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord? Why was that important? Well, verse 10 gives us the reason. He said, for we must all, everyone say all, that's me, that's you, that's everyone in the audience today, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. Now, look at this. This is a judgment seat of Christ taking place during the seven-year tribulation when we're in Jesus, in heaven with Jesus, that we are going to give an accounting for what we've done in our body, whether it was good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. All right. So he's talking about a judgment seat that we will all, everybody say all. I'm going to be there. You're going to, everybody's going to, every one of us will stand before the Lord and we will receive an evaluation concerning the things we've done in our body. Now, let me say it this time for the first time, but I'm going to say it again and again and again. We will not be judged by the things that we did. We will be judged by the why we did those things. Our sins are forgiven. It's all under the blood. The things we did, will that's all under the blood. But the way we lived our lives that grew out of the content of our heart is going to be evaluated. All right, let's look back at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 3. And I want, to, I want to begin with verse, let's just see, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation of Jesus Christ, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, what foundation is he talking about? He's talking about living our lives for Jesus. Did we live our lives for ourselves? Did we live our lives for our will? Did we live our lives for our pleasure? Or did we live our lives on the earth for Jesus? He said, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. Now, notice the word day there is capitalized. What day is he referring to? He's referring to the day of the judgment seat of Christ. That's what he's describing here. He said, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now go back and make a comparison. There's gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Now you can take gold and put gold in a fire and gold will become purer. It will become better gold because impurities will be burned out. It can be silver. And the silver will become only more valuable because any impurities will burn, be burned out. You can put diamonds in a fire. And when the fire is out, you can take the diamonds out, wash them off with, with good soap, and the diamonds were never affected by the fire. But if you put wood in the fire, it's going to be burned up. If you put hay in the fire, it's going to be burned up. If you put straw in the fire, it is going to be burned up. There will be nothing left but ashes. Gold, silver, precious stones will stay there however long the fire burns. Wood, hay, and straw will be burned up in a matter 
of a few seconds. And so this judgment seat will be a testing. Verse 14 says, if anyone's work, which he is built on, endures the fire, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But look at this. But he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, a person that built their whole life on wood, hay, and stubble, when they stand before the Lord that day, if they are saved, all of that, the, the full content of their life will be burned up. But they'll still be saved. They're still going to go into, into, into heaven. And they will live in heaven for eternity. But they will have no reward. Now, Iris, one of the things that we somehow just get caught up in is if you get to heaven, everybody's the same. It's not true. It's not going to be true. You see, heaven, heaven is not going to be a communist state where everybody's just equal. Look back with me at Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. There are going to be rewards in heaven that are going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. And so let's, let's go to Romans 14. Let's start with... Um, a simple little thing like judgment, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother, Paul said? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. Iris, do you realize that people that have lived their life judging everybody around them, they judge their pastor, they judge their fellow believers, they spend their whole lives judging every jot and tittle of what other people believe and trying to be, trying to be the gospel police that go around writing everybody a ticket that didn't disagrees with them. They judge their pastors. Pastors judge other pastors, exalt themselves over others. And the Bible is saying, why do you spend your life judging? Remember, Jesus talked about judgment and how deadly it can be because for this reason, on that day before the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand there, we will be judged with the same measurement that we've spent our lives judging other people. Now, that's scary. Yeah. Does that mean we agree with everybody? No. But you see, we can, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Mm -hmm. We can disagree among ourselves. Without being disagreeable, we can forgive, we can love, we can bless, we can agree to disagree and continue to walk in love and, and let God sort it all out. But if we spend our lives, you see, living in judgment of this and judgment of that, and these Christians, that, that church, that pastor, that leader, those people over there, on that day, the fire of God is going to come. Now, let me tell a, 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 a quick story about a, a man of God that lived some years ago, and he was very, very sick. He had double pneumonia, and this was many years ago. And this was before all the medical things that we can do. He was, he was right at the edge of death. And he probably slipped over 
He, he probably died, came back, died, came back over a period of days. He was just, the doctors, his family were there. He was expected to, to leave this earth at any moment. But in one of those times that he slipped over, ultimately he came back to his body, but he tells a story of, of actually slipping over and whether he went to heaven, the third heaven, paradise, he was like Paul, whether it was a vision, a dream, but it was a revelation. What he saw was this judgment seat of Christ. And he said, I was in this place. And he said, it was like a great stadium. It was like a great arena. Only there were millions and millions and millions and millions of people there said it was as far as the eye could see it went farther than the eye could see and he said I knew they were all believers and he said there was a great throne in the midst standing before them and he said I knew that it was it was the judgment seat of Christ and he said there was great worry and concern because people saw the, the, holy, the holiness of God and they knew they were standing in the presence of the holiness of, of the Lord. And he said in this dream, vision, whatever it was, when he slipped over into eternity in that moment of being so deathly sick, he said, I saw, as it were, a group, a large group of angels. And he said they were angels of, of fire. And he said they began to, to, to swirl very quickly all across that crowd. They, they, they began to spin like a cyclone, starting in the front and going row by row progressing in every direction. And they were angels of fire. And every time they passed by people, something happened. He said all of these people had books in front of them. Malachi 3, verses 16 through 18. Malachi 3, 16, 18 talks about a book of remembrance of those that fear the Lord. Those that are fear the Lord, those are the ones that are saved. And so there's been a book of remembrance written over every one of our lives that includes absolutely everything that we have, have done, are doing, will do until Jesus comes, that were done for him. And we're going to get into this deeper moving on. I'm just kind of scratching the surface as we're together today. He saw all these multitudes of people and everyone had books. And he said some had large stacks of books. And he said other people had one little small book in their hands. And it was a wide range of people. Now you would look at the ones that had the, all the books and, and think, wow, look what that person did. And, and that, that one over there, I mean, she never did anything. Look at, look at her, her measly little book that was so unimportant from the person sitting next to her. And this man said, I saw a very famous man of God that I knew personally. And he had this huge stack of books. And he said, these angels of fire began to sweep out across the multitudes of people. And he said, everywhere they went, the, the fire of God would hit those books. The fire of God would hit, hit those books. And he said, I saw the man that I recognized that had this huge pile of books because he was very famous and he had done so very, very much by the world standards. 
But he said in a moment, all the books were just incinerated. All the books, everything he had done for the Lord on the earth had really not been done for the Lord. It had been done for him. It was about his reputation. It was about his reward. It was about drawing attention to people. And it was, it was about the money. It was about the fame. It was about the importance. It was about pride. And when those angels swept across that place, all of a sudden, this famous man of God, his whole life is reduced to ashes. But sitting next to him was a little old lady with her one little book. And she had spent her life as an intercessor, praying and seeking God and interceding in prayer for the Lord. And when the fire touched the man next to her, burned up his big ministry, burned up his name, burned up his fame, in a moment reduced it to ashes, that same fire touched that little lady that had loved God, served God, spent her life. She had never done a crusade, never had a TV program, never done anything except live faithfully was an intercession. When that fire touched her little single book, it all turned into these beautiful, beautiful jewels and gold and silver and how that it all just began to melt, the gold and the silver just melted like butter. And Jesus came to her, came to her and took his, his, his nail scarred hands and took that gold and began to mold it into a beautiful crown. And they took those beautiful diamonds and gemstones and began to embed it in that molten crown. You see, some people say, well, where are all the crowns come from in heaven? You know, do they bring them on, on in on a big lorry? No, I don't think so. I believe Jesus makes everyone personally. And to that woman's astonishment, that fire, Jesus took the, the whole work of her life on the earth and made it into a beautiful diamond-studded, emerald-studded crown. That was hers. Now, do you say, well, John, that's not in the Bible. I agree it's not in the Bible. That story is not in the Bible, but we know crowns are in the Bible. And we know that Paul was after a crown. And we know, and I'm going to get into other scriptures as we move along. In our study, I mean, Jesus Remember, Jesus said in Revelation 3.11, and that was for you and me and everybody in your audience. He said, let no one steal your crown. Mm -hmm. He wasn't talking to Paul. Paul was already in heaven. He was talking about people on the earth in Revelation chapter 11. Let nobody steal it. In 2 John verse 8, the Bible says, let, be careful that you get your full reward. Well, anyway, let's, let's move on. Well, what's this judgment seat going to be all about? It is going to be a separation of all the wood, hay, and straw of life lived on the earth for other things other than Jesus from those who live. You see, holiness matters. I want to show you a scripture in verse, in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. You don't hear many people preaching these things these days. You don't, you just don't hear much about this. It's just, let's all just have a good time down here and don't get all hung up on things. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, now remember Peter, Peter knew what he was talking about. And this was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where Peter said, said, verse 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the 
grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. What's he saying? Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that's going to come to you at the revelation of Jesus as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You see, the 21st century church, by and large, has no concept of this. People go to the, our churches, and and it's just it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment driven. You see, on that great on that great day when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be worship leaders, worship leaders that led worship in great churches, in great gatherings, in conferences. But it was only a performance. It was just a performance. It was just a musical performance, just like is in the world. And their whole worship ministry will be reduced to nothing but ashes because it was never really worship. It was based on talent, ability, sound, it was, it was done to get the applause of people more than God. But there will be another worshiper. It worshiped for them. It was all about Jesus. It was all about telling him how much they love him. It was about loving the presence and the glory of God. You see, on that great day, there will be worshipers that no one ever heard about that will, that will have diamonds and emeralds gold and silver and precious stones and there will be multi-millionaire worship leaders that have led worship of, in front of millions of people and made vast amounts of money selling their music and and their talent that on that day they will have nothing because of this issue of holiness this issue of holiness Paul is, Peter is talking about grace that's coming at the revelation of Jesus to obedient children that have not conformed themselves to the world and the things of the world. But they've lived their lives in obedience to verse 15, where he said, but he has called you as holy. Be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Are we talking about some religious spirit? No. Are we talking about going around like scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and wouldn't sees and couldn't sees in self-righteousness? No, we're talking about having a reverence for God that we just live clean. We just live clean lives that are pleasing to God. Let me show you another scripture. And there are so many scriptures, so many that we just, we're just hitting, hitting on just a few in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, this is, this is, this is scary. In Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at verse 14 where I believe it was Paul that wrote Hebrews, said in verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Now that's a message that the church needs to hear, that we need to pursue peace with, with one another, love one another, not be angry and disagreeable, full of strife, competition. We're going we're gonna to stand before the Lord one day. He said, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. 
lest any but root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Could it be that Paul was telling the truth where he said that without holiness, without living before the, the Lord, not in righteousness we earn, but in fear and, and reverence and a love-based respect for the God, for the Lord. Well, what's he referring to here? He's referring to when Jesus said, he that seeks to save his life will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake is going to save it. Now, when I was a young Christian, I used to read that scripture and think he was talking about martyrs, people that are beheaded, people in places like India, Pakistan, in China, where governments, religious systems forbid people to worship God. And if you worship, well, they, they kill you for your faith. They put you in jail. They martyr you. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He said, he that saves his life will lose it. He that loses his life for my sake will save it. He was not talking about martyrdom at all. He was talking about giving up our lives in the respect that we give up our wills, that we live our lives for ourselves. I want what I want whenever I want it. And I'm going to have my own way and I'm going to do my own thing. And, and I'm saved. I'll get to heaven. Well, I'm not so sure for many of them. But the Bible says that without, with, without holiness, without living a lifestyle of, of, of serving the Lord and yielding to the Lord, well, you know, it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. Well, we could keep going on and on and on with this to illustrate these truths by many scriptures. But the point that I'm seeking to make to our believers is, is, is simply that we all will stand before the Bema judgment seat of Christ. And we will be given great reward for our faithfulness, we will be given great reward and blessing for our obedience, for our living right and living clean, not out of religious bondage, but because we've got a heart that loves Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He never said one place that obeying him, serving him in this life was optional. And so there will be many people on that day that will be saved, that will be in heaven for all of eternity, but they will have no rewards. Now, Iris, I want to begin to make a transition into a realm that is very, very, very exciting. Because to anyone in our audience today, listening to this teaching, well, if you're saved, but you're really not living it, and you're afraid, wonderful. Today is the day to stop doing those things, to let those things go, and serve Jesus with all of your heart, because, beloved, he's coming very, very soon. You say, well, I'm not so sure about that. Well, whether you believe or I believe or anybody believes is not going to prevent it in the least, not going to stop it. But the things we're talking about today, it doesn't matter if we, the rapture comes today, tomorrow, this week, next week, this year, next year, five years, 10 years, 25 years, 100 years from today. The things that I'm sharing with you today from God's word, these things tell us today, whenever it comes, it's immaterial whether we're here, whether we're there, whatever, we will all stand before the Lord on that great day at the Bema judgment seat, and our lives will be evaluated. 
Now, here is where it starts to get exciting. And I'm not even going to try to finish this teaching today. You're going to have to wait until next time. But this is the place that it really starts to be get excited. Because on that day, 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4 talks about we have an incorruptible inheritance. Amen. An incorruptible inheritance. Now, I'm not going to get into this today. We don't have time. But we will pick up here in our next visit from America to England with you, Iris. Here's where I want to end today. I say everything. Say everything, everybody. Everything. Everything we do for Jesus here on this earth, it's all in the book of remembrance. Wow. And everything we do for Jesus here is going to be rewarded forever in heaven. Amen. Wow. Now, now let that soak in. Jesus said, we'll, we'll talk about this next time. Jesus said in one place, and we'll talk about this next time, but Jesus said, if you've done as much as given a cup of cold water, a cup of cold water to one who serves him, how many times have I been preaching? Iris, you've been in many of our meetings in the UK. I've been preaching and teaching and my voice is tired and somebody would give me a bottle of water just to take a sip. Did you know that every one of those times and all of those meetings we've been together in the UK where you were, that anybody gave a little bottle of water? Did you know on that great glorious Bema judgment? Not even one bottle of water given to help a man or woman of God, even that on that day will be rewarded. Wow. We've never given a penny to God in tithes and offerings that is not going to be blessed in eternity. We've never shared the gospel. We've never taught a class. We've never been an usher or a catcher or a janitor or a worker, a worship team member, a sound person that runs the sound. Nothing we have ever done in this life for Jesus will escape having been recorded in the book of remembrance. And on that great glorious day, everything done for him with a heart of love, not for ourselves, but we did it because we loved him and served him. It shall be tried by fire. And on that day, that which was done out of love and obedience Worship of him. Glory to God. It's all in the book. Amen. On that day. Now I want to close right now. Our time is almost up. But on that day, Iris, I don't know how all of this is going to work out. Because the Lord didn't tell us in his word how it was all going to work out. But there are going to be believers in heaven that are going to enjoy benefits and blessings in heaven for eternity that will be greater than the believers that did not earn those rewards while they're on there. Yeah. When, that, when the Greek athletes stood at the Bema judgment seat of the Greek Olympics, everybody didn't 
get a participation reward. No, they gave they gave the gold, they gave the silver, they gave the bronze, they gave a wide variety of awards to those who had competed. And so there's going to be a differentiation. I don't know how all that's going to work out, but I'm telling you, those that have served the Lord here are going to be rewarded. They will enjoy a level of blessing forever and ever and ever and ever that will never, ever end in heaven for eternity. That will be greater than those who did. And so there we are. Our time is up. We're not done, but we're going to pick up here next time. Well, that's amazing. That went so quickly. And so interesting. I'm sure our listeners are just going to be waiting with a bated breath, John, for the next episode. <laughs> I want to keep going right now, but we don't have time. No, not today. I know that you can't. <clears throat> it wouldn't be the first time you have, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really it's good. Yeah. It's going to be wonderful. Absolutely. We've got much to look forward to. And this is a reality. This is all of us. This is not something that, that whatever. No, this is, this is our future that I'm talking about. We will all stand there. And so on that great day, great reward is coming. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, we just have to say goodbye for everybody right now. And we would just have to wait. Oh. Never mind, folks. We will be back. See you again soon. Bye-bye now.